Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 294. My name is Adam Patterson. I'm joined today by Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing all right. Nice. Enjoy the World Cup final? No, I did not. Nor did I. Although I think it did have one of my favorite goals of the entire tournament. And that was... Sneak it past the goal and just kick it out. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why, though, but I just I enjoyed that so much because you so it's so rare that you see something like that to happen. happen and to have that happen in a World Cup final is kind of ridiculous. And I also yeah. I feel as though that should ta- count as two goals. Yeah. you're just dumb. You're stupid. That should be two goals. Yeah, I completely agree. This week on the show, we'll be covering the 2018 New York Asian Film Festival with four, count them, count them, four reviews, including The Empty Hands, The Looming Storm, Wrath of Silence, and Microhabitat. I regret this. (laughs) (laughs) This is my idea, I regret this completely. Yeah, yeah. These, these are all Kevin picks, by the way, so we'll see. Uh, I'll probably throw in a couple other notable selections that I saw there as well after we do the main four reviews. I was thinking maybe within the main four. Yeah. I, one I, in I was going to, yeah, I was going to try to do that because uh, there's not, there's not a whole lot that, of other ones that I want to talk about. Um, and I do want to keep this show just as these main four reviews this week. So I'm, I might yeah. try to do that. I might try to do that. There's, there's, Really just one one big one that okay. I want to talk about. That's that's really it. So I'll try to fit it in uh, where, wherever I can. Uh, before we dive into this Asian extravaganza, I have a big announcement to make. We've been working on creating a new podcast, brand new podcast, and we're finally ready to announce it. It's called Saved by the 90s. And it's going to be a monthly celebration of all things 90s, including music, video games, TV, current events in there, and of course, the movies. Uh, The show is going to be hosted by myself and Film Pulse contributor Ken Bakley. You've probably heard him on this show a few times in the past. And for the first episode, we're going to be diving into July of 1993. So that'll be our first episode right. and it's going to be on its own feed. So please be sure to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes when the first episode launches. Um, I'm not exactly sure when, because we're still putting the final touches on the the music. So we're sort of waiting for that to be finalized and then we'll be prepared to launch. So it's either going to be, late this week or sometime next week that the, that the first episode comes out. But what I'm going to do is put the first episode on this feed as well. So it, we can introduce this audience to it in hopes that if you dig this show, you'll dig that show. Um, for now, you can follow us on Twitter. We have um, a Twitter set up. It's at 90s pod. So give us a follow on there and we will be sure to make all the latest announcements and stuff on, on that. We also have a Facebook page set up, which is the same 
uh, facebook.com slash 90s pod. So you can give us a like on there if you should be so kind. But yeah, we've been working on this for for a while now. Really excited about it. It's going to be more... uh, It's going to be a little bit more involved than just these the regular weekly shows since this is going to be a monthly thing we're going to talk about more movies typically and then again lots of other stuff thrown in there as well so it's just going to be this like 90s pop culture cornucopia if you will mm-hmm. but very very excited to get into it so my my favorite thing about this podcast is I'm not in it no you're not in it that's my number 1 I mean, and then I the nineties like, thing, because I love the nineties. So, I feel like you should definitely do a guest spot at some point. I think you should come on to the Halloween episode for, for sure. All right, but yeah, yeah we'll probably, see. I'll pop in here and there, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely want to have guests on the show. Uh, we want to make sure that we iron out all the you know, growing pains and the kinks and all of that stuff for the first couple probably. And then we'll start inviting people on after we start refining it and, you know, finding our voice and all of that. So mm-hmm. again, it's called saved by the nineties. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, or I mean, all of the regular film pulse feeds are still going to be announcing the stuff as well. So uh, hopefully when it comes out, you'll be, You'll be the first to know. All right, let's jump into our first review. I I don't have a specific order in mind. Do you okay. Do you have an order in mind? No, not at all. All right, let's uh, start with uh, the empty hands because that's uh, what I have up on my screen here. So this is directed by Chapman Toe. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Half half Japanese Hong Kong girl Mari. Hirakawa, who succeeds Dojo after tragic death of her karate master and father encounters ex-karate student, ex-Yakuza Chan Kwong, who also succeeds the half of her father's karate dojo. Uh, I feel like that that was just thrown in Google Translate. Yeah, I swear to you, I can't actually read. It's just, this is... uh, (laughs) Yeah, the IMDb. No, maybe, yeah. maybe that the was IMDb. on Adam's side. No, maybe, but I think if you go on IMDb and see it, you'll you'll understand. Uh, so this one, I guess I'll start it off. First, first, I'd like to mention we have a ton of written reviews for a lot of these movies. Um, most of the ones that we're going to be talking about today, these four main ones, we actually don't have written reviews for. I wrote a review for The Looming Storm, and that's the only one. But there are a ton of other great movies that are playing at the festival this year. So be sure to go to the site and read up on um, some of the other movies. Chris Chris wrote a whole bunch of reviews for us on that. This is Christmas for Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I wrote a a decent amount, too, and I got a couple more... um, on deck, ready to come out before the festival ends. So, uh, I was not a big fan of the empty hands. Um, now, one one disclaimer I think I need to say is the so we were sent a screener for this, um, and I'm pretty <clears throat> sure that it 
cut off at the end. I think there was at least 10 minutes cut off on mine, at least. Did, did I, you? I, was I, yours? I, don't, I don't think I noticed, but I think even if that were the case, uh, I wasn't a fan of this either. So I think if it cut off, I was just like, oh, good. It's done. We're finally yeah. done. Yeah. According to IMDb, it says that the film is an hour and 27 minutes long. However, the screener we were sent was only an hour and 17 minutes long. So, and it just ends. There was, there were yeah. no end credits or anything like that. So I think maybe we were missing something there at the end. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I agree. I don't think it would have changed my no, um, feelings mean, it, it about the movie. Of, it had a lot of work to do to make up for the previous hour or so. And I doubt that it accomplished that. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought that there was some really interesting camera work in this. Sometimes it was really good. Like at, at the end, um, that sort of the dolly shot where they're eating uh, mm-hmm. at the end, I thought was really good. And yeah, that was... there were, there were a couple other flourishes here and there that I thought worked, but then there was a lot of stuff that I was like, Hmm, mm, that's, that doesn't, that's not really working for me. It feels a little cheap. Uh, a lot of, a lot of kind of, there, there were some parts of it, the, like the flashback, the, the fight scene flashback, the sort of Yakuza yeah. scene like that felt very uh i don't know what i, I want to say cheap but i don't know if that's the right I, word it just it, it didn't no for me and this is a big sticking point for this movie and i'm glad that you brought up the flashback whole fights because that's like one of the biggest quote-unquote fight scenes of the movie and this whole movie is supposed to be about karate i mean it's not the main focus but it's an integral part of empty hands is karate and uh the martial arts in this movie are bad like they're it's just bad yeah and that scene in particular is i'm not quite sure what the you know the word for it is either but i do kind of feel you on the cheap thing but i also agree that it's not quite right but the thing that gets me is that you have this it, it feels like it's going to be the centerpiece where you're going to see this guy uses training and then it's like very like elliptical and just you know like he's getting ready to 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 kick someone and then it flashes to something else him fighting another guy and it's all kind of in slow motion but there's large chunks of it missing and it's kind of in slow-mo it's really stylized but yet you're not getting any martial arts yeah i think i think maybe over stylized uh, because there were like all these like light filters and stuff that they were putting on there. And it, it had almost a music video yeah, quality, and, but it, but it was also like you said, you're jumping around, he's fighting different people that, and, and it's like intercut between the fights. And it was, to me, it was very, very confusing. Like I, I didn't know what was going on, but also when in the intercutting, cause maybe it was essentially I don't know if it was kind of to mask things or to cover up the fact that they maybe didn't have a choreographer for these fight scenes because with the intercutting, yeah, he's fighting like six different people, but you don't really see any fighting. It's just more so just cutting between them and you're just kind of seeing the lead up and then the aftermath and they're just cutting out 
all of the fighting. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was not very well put together. And I didn't, I didn't think that the movie as a whole was very well put together. It felt very messy to me. There were I mean at, at its core it's a sports film, right? It's it's about karate. And this the the, the main character, she her father was um, the head of a dojo and trained her very young, but she didn't like it. And she sort of rebelled against his, his forcing of her to learn karate and practice karate. And she quit and she became a very bitter uh, adult. Like, I don't, <laughs> and, uh, she, when, when her father dies and she finds out that one of his former students has 51% of the dojo, she gets really pissed because that's where she lives and his his sort of uh what he tells her is you know if you if you can practice and you can train and you enter a f the this tournament and you can you're left standing win or lose if you can make it through i will sign over my portion to you so you know you have your training montages and stuff and i thought that those were were yeah, yeah were good enough simple. And then you have the big fight at the at the end, but everything felt so inconsequential to me. Like like nothing really had nothing really had any weight to it at all. Like there was this whole subplot of her and her dating this guy who was married, and then they just sort of they just sort of abandoned that. They they didn't really do anything. I mean they 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 brushed it off with like one scene where they. Uh, there was like a newspaper headline of the guy that got, he got beat up, but yeah, it was like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're done with that now. And then there was this whole other thing with like uh, the guy who was the co-owner of the dojo and like his whole backstory, you know, he had this long extended fight sequence and then he talks about in voiceover, he talks about how he went to jail and his wife left him and got together with his friend and then like wow. later in the movie we see like where they're at now like the, his <laughs> ex-wife and the friend <laughs> and i'm like why why do, why are we wasting our time seeing what these two are up to when we don't even know these people yeah they were introduced literally for like two minutes and i just love the fact that even his character <clears throat> the the former student who is now the because, I, I mean, I completely understand where she's coming from. I would be super pissed, too, because to find out that your father dies and then, you know, you, it was really between the only people in his life were you, his daughter, and Mute Dog, which was, I don't know, I guess he just helped. And I like how the movie starts out with him, too, which is another thing. This movie's just all over the place. Like, it doesn't know who the main character is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to find out that this guy, who we've never been introduced to, and we're talking about like 45 minutes, 50 minutes into this movie, all of a sudden there's just this name drop of, hey, this guy is now the owner of the dojo. And you're like, who the fuck is he even? And then we go through a backstory of him. And like, he's really not that compelling. And then to find out later on down the road that he was kicked out of the dojo, like he wasn't even on good terms. The father probably hasn't even talked to this guy in how many years. And it just so happens to it, 
that it lines up that he passes away and the dojo goes to the guy that just got out of jail. Yeah, he just gets out of prison. It should be noted that that character's name's Chan Chan Kent in the film. He's played by Chapman Toe, the writer and director of the film. Yes, which early on you find out that this, you can pretty much surmise that this is directed by a man because the quote-unquote main character of Mari her best friend is just like her whole thing. It's just, she has big tits. Uh, the, that, that actually, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because there were, <laughs> I was watching this and I actually said to my wife while watching, it, I was like, this feels, this movie feels so degrading towards women. Like every woman in this, in this movie is either like portrayed as weak or just a tool of some sort. And it just, it felt so, kind of gross yeah like and i mean her whole and it's not even that like her whole personality is that she has big breasts it's that her friend mari the main character is just it always ends with mari being like i want to squeeze your breast honk honk and it's just like what the (laughs) fuck is this yeah it's 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 a mess it really is and then there was that and in, in the beginning, there was that like black and white sequence that looked it looked good visually, but it didn't fit at all because yeah. it's just, just, just like whole voiceover of like her giving a history of everything that we just this gets all thrown out of the window anyways because we're just like oh by the way psych this guy owns the dojo now yeah like, I just uh, I couldn't get on board with this one at all i, I well, found then, it like this we had which kind of felt like a showcase with the, the new owner the dojo the chapman toe fight with the yakuza and then you have the the culminating fight at the end where she trains and there's the montage and she has this fight at the end which is also shit <laughs> it's not a good fight it's just awful like, yeah. if you're going to do a martial arts movie, maybe make sure that you are able to choreograph and film martial arts. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll use this as a segue to talk about a good martial arts movie that's at the New York Asian Film Festival, and that's By Bust. Uh, this is the new Eric Mati movie. If you want to see some martial arts done right, check out By Bust. This one... Top, it's my top movie of the festival. It is absolutely jaw dropping. This movie, it it gives the raid a run for its money. This movie. Oh shit. Yeah, they use this movie uses three hundred and nine stunt men, and they and they use one thousand two hundred and seventy eight extras, and the whole movie is about a a squad of drug enforcement agents who have to do a raid on this like slum town, this like this slum area of Manila. And so the whole movie is them getting caught like in the middle of this slum and having to escape where, and everybody in the slum is basically working for this drug Lord. And it's just an onslaught of people trying to kill these cops. And it is utterly amazing i that one keep an eye out for it it's gonna 
that's going to be like a, a cult hit. Trust me. Mm, I wish I would have picked that instead of the empty hands. Because <laughs> yeah. the empty hands is terrible. It's all. It is. It is. It's it's, it's not really good. really bad, and it's also just it's really corny too. It's corny as shit. It's corny. It's not very entertaining. I found a lot of it to be pretty boring and sexist. It's, it's very it's yeah. Sh- it's, it's got shit martial arts. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and give this thing a score. Empty hands. What are you going to give it out of 10? Uh, I did originally like a three, but talking about it with you, I'm going to give it like a, like a two. Yeah. I'm sitting at a 2.5 on this one. Not a good time. Not a good time. No, it was awful. It's really bad. Let's switch, let's switch gears and talk about one that, uh, I at least know that I, that I really enjoyed and that's the looming storm. Uh, this is directed by Yu Dong. I have a review for this up on the site. I, I, there's a synopsis here. A man who is laid off from a steel factory desperately wants to chase a serial killer in a small t- city in southern China. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What did you think of The Looming Storm? First off, that, I mean, that thing's a little bit off because I think like he gets well, laid he, off he, in the he, midst of... Yeah, he doesn't get laid off until well well into his investigation yeah which i gotta say like the overall i pretty much enjoyed this there's there comes a certain point in this movie where for me it kind of fell apart but up until that point man this was this was exceptional i i love the music i love the atmosphere of it and just i loved how this character is kind of introduced as just (laughs) Because I didn't really read about this movie before I started it. And at first I thought he was a cop. And I was just like, oh, okay, this is kind of like a light comedy where he's just like a big dork. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, he wants to really do good and just wants to impress people. And he's just really eager. He's an eager beaver. And uh, and then, you, you know, you you find out quite quickly that he's not a cop at all. He just works, <laughs> he just works at a factory nearby. Which yeah, makes it even more depressing and sad. Yeah, he's like a security guard. He's like the head of security at this factory. Yeah. And I, I like how in his job at the factory, he's like a rock star. Like everybody loves him and stuff. He's very well liked and respected. And then when he tries to help the cops, he's just like the idiot. Yeah. So like the, the bumbling <laughs> fool that is always is- getting in the way. And this is something that I that I appreciated with this movie is because it like they do really they set that up nicely in the beginning where you're just like this guy's a buffoon oh my god, and then like as as the movie progresses you're kind of like you're kind of won over by him because he actually is doing a shit ton of work and a lot of legwork and investigating and he's actually getting results and you're kind of like all right this guy's actually like legit. Yeah, like he comes up with really good ideas. I mean, he comes up with ideas to catch this this killer, like the uh, the, the the thing on the the bulletin board to try to lure him out, like that that kind of stuff is pretty clever. Like the cops weren't doing that. No, they weren't really doing anything. It seemed like no, and and just how he brought all the workers into the police station for interviews. All the workers that were off that day. Yeah, like, I mean, this guy is dedicated. He's really working. 
He's really I think, working his ass off. I think that uh, anybody that's seen Memories of Murder, uh, there's there's definitely uh, shades of that in this movie. I, I don't think there's any denying that. To me, like the just the the aesthetic, the the tone, yeah. it all it all felt very similar to Memories of Murder. Now they do kind of drop the the humorous elements in in this one pretty early on. Like yeah, yeah, it's it's, no, it's it's kind of it's funny for a while, but they get really serious. Uh, I'd say probably by the end of the first act, they're they're they drop the comedy completely. Which is okay. I didn't mind that or anything. Uh, and a lot of rain in this movie. Holy, so much. holy so much crap. Rain. This is like one of the most dreary movies you will ever see. It is just, yeah. and you, oh my God, it's so like, depressing. It just, it's just, uh, uh. but I, for me, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure when, like what the point was. I think it was around when like his his romantic involvement kind of progressed to a certain point that I think that that it kind of fell apart. Cause then there's this like scene of her and him like over the trains where it looked like this terrible green screen. And yeah. she d- does something that I'm not a hundred percent sure why. Yeah. I wasn't. Cause, cause <laughs> like, I just really started you... to get confused. I'm yeah. Not cause sure, you don't, like... they, they don't, they sort of uh, expand on that scene later. So like you don't find out right away. Like they they there's like one scene when she goes there and then they go back to it later and you can see what happened after she yeah. went there and yeah, I was like, mm, "Man, I but I think it's all just th- this whole movie is just a series of failures for this guy and it just shows his his obsession just continues to grow and grow and grow and he starts you know, putting him himself at risk. He puts his coworkers at risk. He puts, you know, his love interest at risk just because he is so obsessed with this case and doing a good job like that. I mean, that's, that's what it is at the end of the day, right? He wants to be up on stage and get that award at the factory. Yeah. yeah what was it? The model worker. Yeah. Yeah. He wants I to mean, be the model worker. And then even to, you know, towards the end there, like, the guy, you know, I've worked there all my life. He's like, I never heard of you. Yeah. Like, no, I was up on that stage like two, three times. Got that award. Like, nah, no one remembers you, dude. Yep. I uh, I really like the location. The so the it takes place in this really small village, but there's like four factories that surround the village. So everything is just like the the rain definitely exacerbates everything, but the sort of in just industrial look of everything in this movie, I thought looked really awesome. Yeah. And there's a really, really, it's unfortunate that like their main clue is like, it's probably a factory worker. Yeah. There's four factories and every single person in the town seems to work at the factory. So good luck with that. Yeah. There's a really great chase sequence too, through, through the, the factory. Uh, that that I thought was uh, really exciting, and that was I really enjoyed how that ended too. Yes, very surprising. Uh, there was a lot more action in it than I expected too. I mean, not that's not to say it's like an action movie, but there were just more sort of uh, thrilling moments. 
Yeah, this was this was a little bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting it to be as gripping as it was. But like I said, it, it for me it fell apart a little bit towards the end. It lost me. Yeah, Up there were there were point. some kind of questionable things that happened towards the end. Uh, I thought the mystery was really good too. Just the, the the mystery aspect of it. You know, this is a this is a serial killer killing young women in this yeah. town, and the the resolution to that. I was like, oh man, like that's that's some shit right there. Yeah. I, I I liked how how it how they brought it together and concluded it. Because yeah, because they did. It's one of those. I enjoyed that ending because it's one of those where like it concludes it, but at the same time, it doesn't at all, really, if you think about it. Right. At the end, because at the end of the day, the movie's not really. The movie is not really focused on the mystery so much as it is the impact of the mystery on the main character, Yu yeah. Dong. Uh, sorry, Yu Dong's the director. Um, Yi Hong Duan is the the actor, the main actor. And he smokes a lot, man. A he lot was fit. I just he wanted was, I just wanted to smoke so much during this movie. <laughs> he, he smokes a lot, but he's also really good in this. I yeah, thought he. No, I the, thought. I thought he, he had a fantastic performance. Yeah, he carries he, it. Yeah, but uh, he also makes me want to smoke. <laughs> I mean, he's literally—I'm pretty sure he's smoking all the time. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, lot of cigarettes getting smoked in this. <laughs> Lots of rainy cigarettes. Lots of wet. Which are the worst? That's the worst yeah. cigarette. That's the worst cigarette. That absolutely a rainy cigarette. I remember like back when I used to smoke and I would like be outside and it would rain and there'd always be like that one giant drop of water that would and hit just, right on the cigarette <laughs> and it would just be like, shit, here we go. It would hit the filter too. Yep. It's just now. Sucking tar water now. <laughs> uh, all right. Looming storm. I gave this a seven and a half out of 10. What are you going to give it? I'm like a six and a half, maybe seven. All right, it, it's a pretty solid crime thriller, so I would I would recommend keeping a lookout for this one. I think it's quite good. Speaking of smoking, let's let's keep that theme going and talk about microhabitat. Look at you, man! Your segues are on point today. Yeah, well, I mean, I saw a connection there, so decided to run Went with it. For it, yeah. This is uh, so this is uh. Uh, written and directed by uh, John Go Woon. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Whiskey and cigarettes, the only things of keeping her dignity in this city. <laughs> that is the only reason I picked this movie. I read that and then I was like, yes, yes, please. So to expand on that a little bit, uh, it's about a young woman who is a little bit down on, on her luck. She She works as a housekeeper, but she's barely making rent and she has she leads a simple life she likes to pay her rent she likes to drink a glass of whiskey every night and she likes to smoke a lot of cigarettes mm -hmm. and when the, the price of cigarettes goes up she realizes that she's gonna have to cut one of those things out of her life and it sure shit isn't gonna be the whiskey <laughs> or cigarettes so she decides to be homeless and so for the rest of the movie, she basically couch surfs uh, with 
the members of a band that she was in back in school yeah. in col in college i believe so i really enjoyed this movie uh i, st I, I straight up love this movie i thought it was fantastic yeah it, it's uh it's funny but it's it's understated it is at times very moving at times it's very sad but i i was really i didn't think i was gonna like it to be honest with you like when it started out i was like yeah feels a little bit slow i'm not really sure where they're going with this and just it feels like it's sort of just meandering but after a very short time i was just i completely bought into it and i was loving the fact that it was just meandering i just i loved her whole her whole her whole being like her whole vibe i just loved her overall demeanor i love the fact that she kind of kept this like running tab of expenses every day and that she had a cash register with the, the sections for the rent and everything. And then, you know, when the price of cigarette goes up and how bummed out she was that she couldn't smoke her brand and she had to go to, what was it called? This origin. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> it's like a whale on the cover. It was like uh was it like American spirits or one of those? Like yeah. And just the look on it, that she was just so bummed out about it. And when she's, you know, you, you kind of see the wheels turning in her head of when she's, you know, trying to figure this thing out. And she just decides, you know what? I'm going to cut out rent. That's what I'm going to do. And she's like, yeah, good call. Good call. I also respected the fact that she would donate blood to get money to watch him to go see a movie in the theater. Like that's how that when they, when her and her, cause her boyfriend was also, he had no money either. So when yeah. they would go, when they would go out on a movie date, they would go to the blood bank and donate blood to get money to go see a movie. Which is, I think this is, this was another thing that really surprised me with this movie is like, they, I mean, they're poor. The two of them are poor. i also one. I love their relationship. I thought their relationship was great. Especially when it like kind of, you know, uh, that that build up to where he kind of leaves and it just really gets like emotional, which like you said, it's, it's got this great balance of like comedy and be, with also the emotion and everything going into it. <clears throat> but with them being like dirt poor is it was never like played for laughs. It wasn't like fetishized or, you know, like where this is like poverty porn or anything. It's just yeah. like she's just dealing with it and she seems to be doing okay with it. He seems to be doing okay with it. They're really happy, actually. It's just they're kind of, they're stuck in a, a difficult situation, but they're not really, you know, it's not like really, really beating them down. Yeah, in a lot of ways, there's there's a lot of sort of bittersweet things that happen. Um, like, especially at the end, I'm not going to reveal it, but like the ending, I, I my initial reaction was like sadness, like, oh, my God, I'm I'm really sad for what's happened here. But then at the same time, there's this sort of uh, this sort of like heartwarming sensation that you get from it, too, like that. She's just she's taking Dude, the situation she's in and she's just she, she's happy in the situation that she's in. She's just living her life and doing yeah. her thing. She's figuring it out. I also like that she, for every, 
every time she would go to and and by the way, I would love the uh little intro titles that they would put like on the walls and in the environment when she would go mm-hmm. to the different houses of her bandmates. And she would sort of just come into their lives for like one night and help them, like just influence them in some way. You know, she would, she would see the problems that they're having in their lives and see that her life is just, it's so much more simple. She doesn't have a home, but she doesn't, she's not dealing with all of these other issues that her, her friends are dealing with. And so she just comes in and makes them try to feel better about themselves and writes them a cute little note and leave, brings them, <laughs> hello, shall she brings everybody eggs. <laughs> she like a whole sleep of them. Yeah. <laughs> like 20 <laughs> eggs for everybody. So I, I like that aspect too, where, you know, she was just coming into these people's lives. It's sort of like the show high maintenance on, on HBO, how she just comes into these people's lives and, you know, she's only there for a brief moment, but she touches them and then she's gone and goes off to the next place. Yeah. And she never really presented it as like her situation as like this huge issue or, you know, never really got into like a, like a competitive, you know, pity party where it's way much worse than yours is, and, you know, cause every house that she was going into, they had their own set of problems and she never brought it up that way. You know, she was just grateful to be able to be there and she just tried to be a good house guest and then she would leave when she knew her time was up. Especially with the one at the the end, like the the rich. Yeah. The really rich people. And I do I loved how at that point, um, it kinda comes out when they're out to, to dinner, you know, they kinda ask her like what happened with you, you know, in college or after college and she was like, Well, I had I had to drop out. Cause I couldn't afford it. And the guy's like, oh, you know, was that a difficult decision to make? And she's like, no, because yeah. you know, it wasn't she a just decision. Didn't, she, didn't have money. she didn't get to make a decision. Yeah. Just forced. Yeah. I think that that sort of plays into the, an interesting idea of like how they, how the, the class divide has, they, they can't comprehend things like that. Like, yeah. Like I he, didn't like, have a choice and she, and she couldn't understand like how are you why are you drinking whiskey you know why did why every night do you go to this cafe and have a glass of whiskey and you can't even afford your own place and you're focused on you know you have to stay at these other people's place which by the way their house was fucking huge and they didn't even use like three-fourths of it you know and they're kind of judging her for it but you know that's how she that's how she was able to get through this situation that she was in. Yeah. I think that there's this, uh, cause you, you see it, you see it a lot. Um, like on mostly like Fox news and stuff where people have the argument of, well, if you can afford to do this, then why can't you afford to do that? And I, you know, there's, there's certain situations where I'm just like, all right, you know, you don't, you you can't be making if you can't make your mortgage payments you'll need to buy a a water bed you know but there's other there's other things where i think that everybody is entitled to some sort of release you know <laughs> like yeah. like we're all we're all struggling to get by and we we need something to to keep us going it's not like she was 
going out and like paying exorbitant amounts of money on, you know, lavish things. Yeah. No, she that was that that was that daily unwind. She fucking she enjoyed that whiskey. She got that one glass and she savored it. I uh, also like the apartment hunting scene. So because she's saving, because she's saving so much money on rent, she's saving up so that she can move into another apartment. And the places that she was shown were uh, comically horrific. (laughs) That last one, she just walked in and it's like, uh, no, (laughs) no, you're going to die. You'll be dead in like a week. Yeah. Of course, that was the one that didn't have any deposit. That was the one that she could afford. And everything else was like a $4,500 deposit. Yeah. It was like $4,500 deposit and it's $200 a month in rent. It's like, yeah. that seems a little lopsided there. Yeah, which I think, you know, there, I think there's this whole other aspect to this movie that doesn't, it kind of, we miss it because we're not Korean. You know, this whole, like, the housing situation, living in Seoul. Yeah. Like, how expensive it is. Because it's just the prices keep going up and up and up. And, yeah, I I mean... The only uh, thing you can afford is a room with no door and just copious amounts of black mold. Yeah, uh, I mean, living in New York, I can can speak to that to a certain extent. Because it's uh, definitely something that I've gone through a couple times here so it hits home (laughs) apartment (laughs) pricing in cities is out of control and this i this is the movie i watched this after the empty hands so this was like a soothing balm Mm. for the just terribleness of the empty hands this just came around and it was like that nice glass of Glen Fittich. I was just like, man, I love this. Yeah. This to me out of the four that I got to see this, I love this movie. Yeah. It's uh, it's solid. I, I don't know if I'd say I loved it. What are you going to give it out of 10? Let's, let's give some scores here. I give it a nine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. I just said. All right. Your your score does represent that. Yes. Why don't you fucking listen to me? <laughs> your score does represent you saying that you loved it. That is all right. Uh, let's see. What will I give it? I'm gonna give it a um, uh, an eight. Yeah, I'm sitting like solid. seven and a half, eight. I mean, that sounded kind of like a hesitant eight, but I'm like seven and a half, eight, somewhere somewhere in there. I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, so that's called micro habitat. Keep an eye out for that. I, I mean, the the shitty thing is with a lot of these movies, it's impossible not... to to gauge whether or not it's going to have any kind of meaningful release in yeah. the United States. <clears throat> Maybe we'll you know, there's like Welco USA, like they'll they'll they put out a bunch of stuff. But... See, like for something like this, I there there's a part of me that hopes that like a movie maybe. This feels very much like a movie or a Fandor type thing. Yeah. I hope I'm one of them. I would not be surprised to see it pop up on there. Swoop in. Swoop in. Take it. All right. Let's talk about our our final film. 
of the New York Asian Film Festival. It's called Wrath of Silence. It is written and directed by Yukon Shin. I have a synopsis here. Young boy tends sheep on a hillside in northern China, goes missing. Mm-hmm. This is another one that's uh, not, not worded quite right. His mute father looks for him with a special way of solving problems. Fisticuffs. Does it say fisticuffs? Yes, it does. Are you serious? That is what I should have read. You know what I should have done? It was read the synopsis from the New York Asian Film Festival site because those are much better. I was going to say, this can't be the only synopsis that exists for these movies. No, it's just... Usually I just do the IMDb ones and a lot of times they are they're a little off. They're they a little off. give you something to talk about though. Yeah. They're mostly terrible. Yeah. All right. So Wrath of Silence. Kevin, what'd you think of this one? This is another one. This is kind of like uh, the Lumen Storm for me where uh, it wasn't necessarily like that it was really, really good. And then it kind of dipped off in quality. This one was just kind of, kind of sprinkled throughout where things were going well, and then, eh. and then there's just also this large section of it where it just kind of doesn't go anywhere necessarily. But I was uh, struck with the ending of this movie. I thought that that was interesting. Is kind of the way that all this is handled. And this one actually has better fight sequences than fucking empty hands. Yeah, uh, this this was another. And it, and it has like this really good set piece that I could see this kind of maybe being a cult thing, like a cult movie called Hit. I don't know. Is where he goes to uh, to this high rise and he ends up fighting a shit ton of people in an office building. Just one yeah. guy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, like the synopsis says, he does like to use the fisticuffs. In fact, he, that, that's pretty much all he does. <laughs> in fact, the reason he's mute is because of those fisticuffs. Which I thought that that was kind of interesting, too, because I figured that that came out of, I thought it was like a repercussion of, he's kind of introduced with, he gets in a fight with like this lamb cook this guy that owns a restaurant and just cooks up a shit ton of lamb and he gets in, you know, he's kind of being pressured into selling his land for the miners so they could all get money. He doesn't want to do it. And he just, he grabs a lamb bone, just bam, right in the guy's eye, takes his eye out. Yeah. And I figured that it was a repercussion of that, that they were like, okay, eye for an eye, wink, wink, we take your tongue. But I love how they just kind of, Throw it out there. They were like, yeah, when he was young, he got in a fight and he bit off his tongue. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> he just thought, left it at that. Yeah. I thought for sure there was going to be more to that story of how he can't talk, but no. He just like that bit off his own tongue. Takes, that kind of takes it to a different level. Like you just thought that this guy had some anger. To find out that this has been since he was really young. And he had so much anger in him that he bit off his tongue in a fight. Like, I didn't know that that kind of anger existed. (laughs) Yeah. uh, He definitely fucks some dudes up in this. Like, he takes on a lot of people all at once, multiple times. He he doesn't seem to care. 
He pretty yeah. much fights always. Yeah. And that that was sort of a surprise because I, I didn't really know too much about this going into it. And I did not expect the amount of fighting and action that yeah that it brought. Overall, I, I enjoyed it as well. I, I like you, I thought that there were some dips in in it uh lost interest in it a couple times but nothing nothing major uh overall i thought it was a pretty intriguing story like i wanted to know what was going on with this boy and then there it takes some interesting turns like as he as he is out looking for his son he sort of uncovers this this plot from this evil uh corporation that's trying to take over all the mining operations in the town and the evil that's behind that and he stumbles onto another seemingly not connected at all kidnapping that happens and after that after he stumbles onto the other kidnapping i thought that it got that's when it started getting pretty interesting yeah now I didn't like with the there's a certain way that kind of ended up. I didn't like that either. With the there's this whole like slow mo like the cave. Yeah, I didn't like that. And they're kind of running I was just I was so confused. Yeah. Because they don't explain that at all at first. It's just, you know, it's happening and you're just like, wait, what the fuck is going on? And then that's not reality, which I just, it felt really odd, really bizarre choice. It was a bizarre choice. Uh, Almost like the scene in uh, Empty Hands when she's talking to her ghost dad. I forgot about (laughs) that. I forgot about the ghost dad. (laughs) God, that was dumb. Uh, I, I agree. I think that that scene did have one of the one of the best looking shots that that wide angle shot of the the two people on like the the hill the top of the hill overlooking the, the oh, city yeah, yeah like that that looked really awesome um there were they a few definitely o- make they make definitely make use of the landscape in this movie yeah there were a lot of really good looking wide angle shots and uh the scene with the the mountain exploding mm-hmm. like that that looked really cool uh, and I, just, I, I like the uh, interior of the uh, like the building that you mentioned that he goes into and beats the shit out of everybody. Uh, I, I liked that, like the the way that the office looked of the boss guy and his little his little archery room. Yeah, and I also love that you know all the fight sequences are really they're uh, they're kind of down home fight sequences, especially like at the you know there's no guns involved here. Like at most people have some lead pipes. Yeah. And people are just throwing around office chairs. And it's just, it's really, you know, bare bones fighting going on here. I kind of like that. Um, the sort of down and dirty, just scrapping, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it feels more realistic to, to me than yeah. like the, you know, super choreographed, you know, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Fight. This just feels like a, a, a bunch of blue collar guys just beating the yeah, shit. Yeah, just of each having other. it out. 
That happens a lot in by bus too, where it's not, it's not like super choreographed. I mean, it, it, obviously it is, but it's it feels more natural and more the people using found objects as weapons and stuff like that. Somebody, yeah. somebody, uses a, I, somebody uses a cactus in that movie, by the way. Damn. I do like it kind of, it kind of got me back a little bit with the ending. Like I said earlier, I found it interesting in the sense that you get solution, but at the same time, you you get a resolution to one thing and not a resolution to the other. You can kind of figure out what the other one is with the resolution of the other uh, the other storyline, so mm-hmm. to speak. But they don't explicitly tell you that that is the outcome, and it's just that one's just kind of left up in the air. And where you kind of have a guy that's like with the lawyer who loses his daughter and the kidnapping or whatever, which is what he stumbles upon. You know, he gets to be the victim and then the bad guy at the same time, like simultaneously, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed that, too. I th- they do kind of leave it they leave it a little bit open but 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 also it's not it's not a really happy ending no not at all but i really liked how they handled it like having having the lawyer and the boss guy do their thing and then after that show that other final scene i was just like all right yeah that that definitely won me over yeah so wrath of silence definitely recommend seeing this one again I, would, if, I, if, I do want to point out what the 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 main bad guy the evil guy that kind of owns these mining companies and he's stealing the other ones he always has you know when he meets with people and he does his his evil deeds it's in this ridiculous room where he's eating all this meat land yeah he has the, that the, he has that slicer <laughs> slicer and he's you know dipping his meat this guy, like that's too much meat. You can't eat that much meat. The entire table, this giant round table that can fit probably like 20 people or something is filled edge to edge with meat, specifically lamb. It's it's nothing but lamb. Thin slice. Thin slice. Thin slice. Thin slice Stacked lamb. Up. Charcuterie. No cheese. Just meat. Yeah, this guy's just eating meat. Like, what are they doing with all the leftover meat? He's not. I swear to God, I hope he's not eating all that meat. Number one, it's lamb. Number two, that's a high meat diet. How's he getting anything done? I know. You think he'd just be laying in bed sweating all day? (laughs) Between just alternating between that. (laughs) It's ridiculous. So much lamb. Uh, yeah. I mean, there. During the one scene when the slicer had a huge pile, he did mention to somebody, he said, like, bag it up and send it somewhere. Oh, yeah. He sends it abroad to his his son or something. That's right. Yeah. His son's in Canada and doesn't like the the meat there. So apparently they don't have lamb in Canada. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I guess not. I guess not. Not not this kind of lamb, I guess. It's, apparently, if you're loading up 
a table a round table for 20 it must be really good fucking lamb yeah especially when you have one dude you're 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 having a meeting with one guy and you have an entire table <laughs> stacked it's like, up it's like 45 pounds of lamb it it's ridiculous like it is the the villain in this is he's a little bit cartoonish with his like bit, yeah. his little hair extension things mm-hmm. that he has and he's he's a little silly and I, and there's a lot of stuff that he does where I'm I really question his motivations I'm just like why why is he doing that I don't really understand this what this guy's up to but it wasn't really enough to to detract from. Well, he's not eating right. No, no, he's, he's not. It's exclusively lamb. That's not healthy. Hundred percent lamb diet. <laughs> it's not fucking healthy, dude. Oh my god, that's amazing. Uh, Wrath of Silence. Let's uh, let's give it a score. What what are you thinking on Wrath of Silence? I originally went with a six, but kind of kind of talking about it and stuff. I I might bump it up to a seven. It's a seven for me as well. Uh, it came around on it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe could have done with a little bit of a, a slimmer runtime on it. It's, yeah, it's two, I mean, it's it's two hours. Used, definitely could have used some of that. Don't yeah, argue there. <clears throat> uh, all right. I think that that's gonna conclude our NYAFF coverage for this year. We'll we'll be sure to go back and and cover it next year, as we did uh, last year as well. Because this is a great festival. We talked about it many times before on the show. I think that Asian cinema is underrepresented in the United States. I don't think that. I mean, with a lot of these movies, really, the only way you can see them is in film festivals. You know, some there's some distributors that'll pick up certain things like buy bust. That's going to get picked up. I know that XYZ Films is, um, they're yeah, the, uh, right up their alley. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they, <laughs> it was made for them. Yeah. I mean, they, they're already on board. So they already have the, they're, they're handling the sale of it or whatever. So don't be surprised to see that one come out this year. But as for the rest of them, you know, keep, keep an eye out on, uh, Really, Wellgo Entertainment is the only company that seems to consistently be putting out a- Asian yeah. films here in the states. Yeah, but uh, yeah, keep keep an eye out for them. And again, check out the website uh, for lots of other reviews. Um, we got a. I'm I'm looking through the list now. We got a shitload. Oh yeah, no, I can imagine because the notification. Every day, I know that there's a number of reviews on there. Yeah, we got a got a couple more coming coming your way too. So be, be be prepared for those. And then right after this, as soon as this ends, we'll be covering Japan cuts. So, oh uh, my goodness! Yeah, I think Japan cuts starts uh, this this week or next week. So lots of lots of stuff coming up. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. If you want to send us some questions or topics, you can send it to feedback at FilmPulse.net. 
If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page. Show your support by going to patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.